This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Hiya, I'm Jan Brereton and this is Everybody is a Poem, a podcast where I explore all of life's laughs, loves and losses and everything in between with my guests. My guest today is Talia Heffernan. Talia is a model. She's been modelling since she was about 15. She's a bit of a household name in the fashion world. But she also took part in Dancing with the Stars, so she might be more familiar to you from that. I asked Talia about music. We talked about all of her creative kind of endeavours. She's mad arty, always painting and creating. And then I couldn't help but ask her about ageing in fashion. Here's the show. So Talia, Hiya. this is great because normally we were just talking about this earlier. You're usually partially dressed and I'm usually handing you some <laughs> some random piece of clothing to kind of get get dressed into. So it's just it's so nice to be able to have the chat with you here. It's so nice. Clothed. Yeah, not scantily clad. No, it's really nice because I feel like every time we work together, it doesn't really feel like work. Yeah. Like I'm like, oh, at least I have. Jan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No matter what else goes on or goes wrong today, I've got Jan. She can keep me on an, an even keel. Like, she's good. You're good for that. Yeah. Um, so I'm thrilled. Oh, yeah, and to be we able share to chat. those text messages, don't we, usually the night before? It'll yeah. be grand. Yeah. It'll be fine because you're each on. Other. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Those long days. Um, oh, goodness. So, you know me, obviously, from my fashion kind of career. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you through that as well. And some people in the kind of whole fashion environment kind of, they stick out. Like, you know, you kind of find your tribe, you find your people and like that, the ones that, you know, you share texts with and stuff. Very um, so this is all a new kind of thing for me. Uh, poetry and this podcasting and uh, everything else. And you were really supportive when my book came out. So it was really important to me to get you in. No, but you've <laughs> always been so brilliant at everything you're one of those people that like you could put your hand to golf and you'd be great you put your hand to anything you'd be great you're just one of those people and I remember reading one of your first poems or pieces of writing and I was like oh here she goes again being great okay no problem and I just love your use of the English language how you put things together how you speak to such a vast group of people and you make every single one feel like you're just talking to them individually. It's just such a special thing and I'm so glad you're doing more with it and allowing more people to see Jan as this multifaceted person that you are as opposed oh, to just Talia. brilliant styling Jan. See, hey, here's my turn now to make you cry. All right. <laughs> oh, that's really kind. Thanks. Of course. Um, and I suppose and that, that's the whole point of the, the podcast in a way as well. Um, they're just really simple, open conversations. What I found with the poetry was it was never anything that I would have kind of checked for. I wrote in very plain language, mm. some of it cursing, which my I use thing. in my day to day conversations. Um, so, yeah, so the, the whole idea behind the podcast then was just, you know, to just have open conversations about really normal kind of simple things. Um, and, you know, some people will come like you from interesting if you like kind of careers or backgrounds and then I'm also going to talk to just some normal people and she's sorry, doing I'm, inverted I'm doing commas there inverted yeah. commas with my <laughs> fingers there um just with kind of interesting stories and you know um 
like everybody has something to say. Everybody, Absolutely. everybody is a poem, Talia. You oh, see? Stop it now. That was beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. So there was a couple of poems actually that I wanted to read to you. Um, and really just to kind of explore some of the kind of uh, subject matter of them. And the first one was Supermarket Disco. And I wrote this one when I was in the supermarket during, well, I mean, it was during lockdown. And actually, I wrote a lot of this poetry during mm. lockdown, although it's not all strictly lockdown poetry. Um, and this was when I was shopping and they were playing uh, David Bowie Golden Years, which would be one of my favourite songs. Mm. Um, and you probably know, like even on fashion shows and stuff, mm. I'll always dig into a bit of David Bowie, a bit of Kate Bush. I'll always throw you it in You love the there. archives, yeah. I'm a dinosaur musically, let's be honest. But like, I, you know, I, tr- I try to find the good stuff. Absolutely. So uh, I was shopping in Super Value and Golden Years was on. And that bit, you know, Angel yeah. came on. And there was this kind of, like across all of the aisles. And I kind of stopped, put my basket down, looked around me and just noticed there was just all these kind of people kind of shuffling around, kind of dancing in the aisles. And I realised I was doing it too. <laughs> I do it often and embarrass the kids. So I wrote this one. I'm going to read it for you now. That's so lovely. And then we're going to talk a little bit about music because I know that that's actually Big a side of yeah. your kind of personality and another one of your extraordinary skills oh, thank uh, you, that I'd love to kind of talk to you about. So here we go. Supermarket disco. I disco in the supermarket. I rave in fresh food aisles. Self-service is my dance floor. I bust all my dancing styles. Bowie at the bakery. Maloco in the queue. Daft punk around the frozen foods. A cold meats. Don't go, Yazoo. Will I ever club again? Will I wave my hands up in the air? For now, I'll dance in super value. They play the best tunes there. So good. So come here, what tune in your local supermarket? If it came on, would you just drop the basket and kind of go for it? Do you know what my favourite thing is? And it's a recent thing. I don't know, maybe it is that we're a little bit more intuitive since COVID and since lockdown to the smaller things. Mm. I love going to the supermarket and go and thinking or wondering who's put the playlist on that day. Oh my God. So, you know, you might go in and there's a load of heartbreak songs or and you're kind of going, oh, did, you know, did Lenny down the road, did he have a breakup? Did he have a tough yes. time with his girlfriend? And why is that coming on? Or you might go in and it's all musical anthems and you're going, oh, we've got obviously got someone else who's who's been watching certain movies or, you know, you know, it, you know, you might have during Pride, you might have a specific set oh of songs God. on. And I love going into my own brain and going, so who's put that on and why have they put that on? And I wonder is Margaret in the back who's in her 70s going, I don't want to listen to Drake again for the 15th time today. <laughs> um, but funny you mentioned Maloko in that in that uh, poem because I've really, really found Maloko. I've been listening to them a lot more recently because I you? saw Roisin yeah. live. And I mean... It's it a, it's a, just one of the greatest experiences I think anybody could it's ever have in their life. It's completely it's transformative. That woman is. She's not a woman. A, she's not, extraterrestrial. She's just, yeah, yeah. I'm yet to meet anyone who has so much presence and ability, and just she blew me away. So I think, I mean, I don't know what supermarkets I'm going to, but I haven't been to one yet that they're playing Maloko. So I'm obviously <laughs> I need to be following you around more. So I think you've actually hit on a really great idea there now. Supermarket people, if you're listening, you need a supermarket DJ. Do it like 
you know, every Saturday have someone come in and play something deadly, wouldn't it be brilliant? I mean, I've got a lot of mates who do some deadly <laughs> sex that I can set you up with. <laughs> How now, great would that be though? Now this, I'm showing my age. So uh, when I was a teenager and maybe you remember it, but maybe not. And that's okay because mm-hmm. I'm older, but the Virgin Megastore used to be on the keys there in town and the Virgin Megastore used to sell CDs and albums and cassettes yeah. at the time but it also sold clothes up the escalator I went there with my confirmation money to get a puffball skirt like Pepsi and Shirley and You're there was so a DJ cool, in there there was a DJ in there and he had a little booth and he'd be playing so it was almost like they had their own kind of radio station so yeah something like that would be deadly again wouldn't it supermarkets I mean who knew I suppose music's been really important to me. There's always been like a theme tune to my life mm. at different stages. You know the way it can bring you back instantly. Very that, yeah. Um, and I often say that about the poems as well, that they're like pop songs. They're small, short, simple language, just kind of tapping into maybe an emotion or a feeling mm. at the time. I mean, how important is music to you in terms of even, like it kind of goes hand in hand with fashion, but like if you're on a set and the music's not right, well, um, we've been on set before and the yeah. music's not been right. Yeah, and quite you can, recently, actually. <laughs> and you can... Everyone's energy is completely different. Yeah. And you only notice, or maybe I only notice, when a good song comes on. Yeah. It's like someone's flicked a switch. Yeah. And everyone's eyes brighten that little bit more. We stand up a little bit straighter. Or like you say, you start shuffling without even realising. And I think music has such an amazing ability, very similar to poetry, to let you escape for five minutes four minutes into someone else's world and then make it your own and you interpret I interpret songs differently to how you will depending on what I woke up like that day and I think it's something that we are very special and very lucky to have Mm -hmm. and I also love that podcasts are a thing though as well now because you can also escape into someone else's story and then music I'm very lucky my family are very musical and my mum and dad both have very different different musical taste, excuse me. So I've grown up with a really broad and a brilliant musical background. And I'm blessed because I think it, it definitely is something that when I'm down and out or confused or maybe a little bit stuck in myself or stuck on making a big decision, I'll turn to that sooner than anything else. Isn't it mad help. how it can actually kind of bam a situation? Yeah. You know, like if you're feeling really great, it can make you feel better. and Or if you're feeling really shit, it can sometimes make you feel shitter, but it can actually just kind of protect, you know, kind yeah, of... Yeah, it almost gives keep... um, validity to yeah. feelings. Yeah. Like my favourite thing, this is going completely outside of what we're talking about, but you know I've got two beautiful dogs, the loves yes. of my life. And they're lurchers and they have these gorgeous long elegant faces and then Princess Diana eyes like they, they look at you and you're just like What are their <gasps> names again? Leonard and Charlie oh, my little handsome boys right. and there's a certain position Charlie sits in our living room so we have two sofas one of them's almost just dedicated to the dogs I mean you can sit in it if you want but you'll have two dogs on your lap and they weigh roughly 30 kilos each they're not small dogs and he has his little head up on the on the headrest looking out the Venetian blinds and whenever it's raining, all I want to do is put like an Avril Lavigne song on or something. And I'm like, it's like something out of, I don't know, the OC, you know, those yeah. breakup scenes or, yeah, you know, yeah. those coming of age, teenage angst scenes where they're looking out the window. And I always yeah. am like, or like Anastasia or something, you know, left outside like you alone. you want to put music just, yeah. to what you're seeing. Yeah. <laughs> because it's, yeah, yeah. 
it for me, I know he's obviously just probably looking for the neighborhood cat. But the way I look at him, my brain instantly goes to what song could I put to this to make that gorgeous image even more powerful? And I think that's what music does. It allows you to kind of self-direct your own life maybe and, and curate these moments that don't exist to everyone else. Yeah. It's a very powerful thing. Well, you see, I think actually you're a really creative person. Oh, you know, thanks. I think, and it's interesting with models, isn't it? Like they're very often just kind of written off as just being a beautiful face. Look, that's just, you know. We I suppose, all have stereotypes. Yeah. And I think yeah, that's very, very And it's unfair. Um, but, and I suppose, you know, obviously your job is all about your image in a way. But I think there's, well, I mean, I know lots of models, but particularly you, um, you know, I would always say that you'd be like deeply, deeply creative. So like I've seen you play the piano on your Instagram and um, and then some of your artwork and your painting and stuff like it's just it's like you're hugely creative. So it's not really a surprise to me that you look at your dog sitting on the couch <laughs> and the rain against the window and think, what music will I put to I this? I turn it into a, a scene from the notebook. Yeah. yeah. So like that doesn't surprise me at all. Well, it's, it's um, funny you say that about models because... I think it is um, a very damaging stereotype, but a very present one. Like you watch any any 90s movie, for example, mm-hmm. and the pretty girl will never have a brain cell. Mm-hmm. And it's just something that we've grown up with and I guess lear- like come to expect of models. Mm-hmm. But some of the most amazing people I've met, particularly creatively, have come f- through modelling. And most of them are models or stylists like yourself or makeup artists or hairdressers or photographers there is this I think a a vein that runs through all of us in our industries and we don't get really to tap into it too much in the kind of commercial market of modeling that you know you have a job to go you go on set and it's someone else's dream you're fulfilling you know someone else's clothing line or makeup idea or hair idea so you don't necessarily get to tap into that vein but then you've got people like you and, and photographers like Alex Hutch for example a good friend of mine that you can tap into that with, you know, you do test shots or you go and you're just walking around one day and you start taking photographs. And I think in order to succeed in our industry, you have to have that ability to be creative, be yourself and bring something to the table. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what takes the ordinary to the extraordinary. And I think that's where success breeds in this vein of being able to go on set and do what someone needs you to do, but also the next day being able to go and do something that no one else has done. And I don't think you can learn that. I think that's something you have or you haven't got. Maybe. Okay. I also yeah. think that with creativity, you have to relinqu- like relinquish a little bit of control. Completely. I would have, people always say, you know, would you not do more art? Would you not play more piano? And it, it comes down to, my own fear of not being good enough or not being creative enough or not being perfect enough. Yeah. But that that small zone of, oh, I won't do it because it's easier not to. Yeah. You know, I don't have to question myself as much if I don't do it. Yeah. Is such a scary place because I think when you leave that zone, you open yourself up to so much more and you start to learn that in in these imperfect in your opinion, again, inverted commas, you can't see because it's a podcast, in those imperfect moments is where other people look at that and they see so much more than a straight line or, you know, that typical colouring within the lines thing. You know, you, yeah. you you can only create so much within that small like frame of mind. Yeah. It's very important to get out of that. So outside of the modelling, like are you doing a lot of, are you, like what else are you doing outside of the modelling? Like bearing in mind that you are this, 
creative being mm-hmm. you know like I saw you you did like a mental like painting thing on the wall yeah. which was so pleasing to look <laughs> when it was kind of when you put it in fast forward or yeah. whatever but like you were just saying you, you posted something then saying just this is how long it actually really Three took hours. literally yeah. pa- watching paint dry like but I mean, that's exactly what you were saying it's in the moment I was going why did I think this was a good idea? Like, who possessed my brain for that 10 minutes where I was like, I'm going to get a load of syringes and then <laughs> pipe paint down my wall and see what happens. And in my brain, I was like, it might look great. And then I did the first one, like you said, and I took that non-time-lapsed video. Yes. And it was 20 minutes. It, t- it only grew about six inches. So I was like, right, okay, well, this is not going as planned. And then I put on time lapse and that's when art was created was just, I had to go and keep doing it, keep pushing through. And yeah, some of the lines, I was hoping for gorgeous, perfect straight lines and that didn't happen. Yeah. walls of marks and yeah. paint flows different ways. Oh, and then you pulled off the mask and tape and it took half the bleeding wall. Yeah. Which, oh my God. <laughs> I think painting and spray painting and mucking in on stuff and clay and stuff is where I I feel most at home. I love playing piano. I love dancing and stuff. But art for me, it spans so much more than just a canvas. And come here, did you ever study art or anything like that? Because obviously you've been modelling for what, 10 years, more than 10 years now? Nearly 12. So what were you, 14, 15? I mean, 14, I turned 15, yeah, just before I signed my first contract. Okay, so it's not, and that's because this is interesting because I... It's interesting to me because I love art as well, mm. and I always kind of thought I might go to college yeah. to study yeah, art. Yeah, of course. And I actually did like, like, and this is only in recent years, yeah, like I as remember. a mature student, um, and kind of did courses in NCAD and submitted a portfolio. So everything was like, let's see if I can fuck it. Let's see if I can submit a portfolio or whatever else. And I did it, um, but again, just was like, actually, I'm never gonna go yeah, to yeah, art yeah. college I've kind of accepted that now yeah. sometimes I feel very worried by it but like for the most part I've accepted you know what and actually I kind of don't need to but well, that's what I was just about thing. to say it's like so do I, you feel that way about all you know all your kind of creativity as well you don't actually need to kind of supplement it with, with uh, uh, oh God, a degree d- or a piece yeah. of paper I, I think art college is brilliant because you learn so much I'm sure again I've never been I'm just assuming you learn so much and there is always there is something about there's a reason why we give discipline to certain subjects to kind of better ourselves in said subject so there's a reason for us but when it comes to it being an outlet which I think it is for both of us I don't necessarily think you need to go to a school to study it I think you can't go wrong. You've got artistic license. You can do what you want. Mm. Yeah, you know, someone down the road might think it's mental and it mm. looks awful. But as long as you're happy mm. and you've made maybe someone else happy in what they've seen through your art, for me, that's so much more than a piece of paper. I did think for the start of my teens before I started modelling, like modelling was never something I necessarily wanted to do. Mm. Kind of fell into my lap and then I never stopped. <laughs> and you were so good at it. I'm like... You're so young as well. I mean, you can't really make can't really make decisions at 15. Do you know, mm-hmm. I think I did think I'd go to art school. That was what I thought I'd do. Yeah. Um, but look, I've, I've never stopped doing what I started then. So who yeah. knows? I could be a mature student. Yeah. You're going into NCAD in a few years. Again, I don't want to restrict myself and, and, and say I'm going to do this, this and this. So yeah, I, I think 
for now, art for me is an outlet and I love it. And like a friend of mine wants me, they've just moved into a brand new house. They want me to do a mural in their bathroom. Oh, amazing. So like I want to be able to have that to give to people. It's not yeah. something I necessarily want to, 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 to do anything with. It's more the joy it brings other people. And then I, I do fundraising every year for the GSPCA with, 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 uh, prints that I do like paintings those prints were magnificent you did like Thank a you. heart print I remember yeah it's just heart beautiful. and a set of lungs during yeah. COVID yeah 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 so yeah. I love anatomy again that was kind of what I used to always draw yeah. like animals and anatomy were I was fascinated by and uh, yeah I kind of m- merged them into this print I could make and then half the proceeds went to the DSPCA so every Christmas I try and do a fundraiser with my art but apart from that I try not to really put any pressure on it I don't yeah. want to put pressure on myself in something I love because I don't want to hate it yeah. basically yeah and what about the music then so where did that come from like are you self-taught or did you go to lessons when you were a kid or and do you still because yeah. you have you have like a oh god I'm such a keyboard yeah keyboard yeah. is yeah, that yeah. the right word you're I correct say, that's a real mammy thing to say you have a keyboard well it's electric so I would call it a keyboard a plug-in a piano plug-in. yeah 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 <laughs> it's got a little cord out the back Um, so there's a eight year gap between me and my older sister my older yeah. sister and I sorry awful English and she was playing piano and I remember everything Anna did I wanted to do I looked up to her so much when I was a kid. Oh, such a lovely thing to have that relationship with a sibling. It was amazing. Everything she did. Like to the point, she's got straight hair naturally and you know, my hair is mad. It's a brush. I just look like, I literally look like something off the side of the road. My hair is so curly. And I used to want to straighten it to look like Anna. Like everything she was, she was, I wanted to be. So when she started playing piano, I was like, my turn. I want to play piano. I was about two. Yeah. So my mum and dad were like, okay, fine. So I started lessons at about two, three years old. I was really young. Now obviously I'm, didn't I was just throwing my fingers at notes I didn't know what I was doing but Anna did grades and she did you know all that stuff but for some reason my parents were like Tally's too young to go into grades so we're just going to let her have fun with it and I did do a few like I remember vaguely doing little competitions every now and again in church hall when I was younger but there was nothing formal to it and maybe that's what bred this lack of formality in everything I do in terms of my artistic outlets is I don't need to yes. <laughs> you know it's not like you say do I need that piece of paper to say I'm qualified Yeah. or does the ability to listen to a piece of music and then play it in my own way through ear that to me qualifies myself as Oh it's such yeah, a healthy approach yeah, to it as well Talia yeah, yeah I just prefer having that like when people say do you play piano I, I say I can play piano Yeah I don't play piano like I don't I wouldn't say it's something I do professionally I just do it because I love it. Yeah. And it's, I just like that approach to it. So I'm very lucky that my family gave me that um, ability when I was very young. And I also sang for a long time when I was a kid. Um, but I feel like my voice broke like a boy's did. You <laughs> like sang one day I just as well. Couldn't, couldn't sing. Yeah. How did, what's his name? Louis miss out on you? What? He actually said to me before, he was like, would you? I was like, I wouldn't, no. Yeah. Couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't. Like, I don't know. No, I don't. Again, I'm not going to say no to nothing. But and then your mom used to model as well, didn't she? She did. And Rebecca Morgan, yeah. who's my main booker in Morgan the Agency. Yeah. Nan, her mom was my mom's main booker. Wow. So when I was first scouted, I was 13. I so say. how were you scouted? How did that happen? Well, I I was very tall. I don't know if you remember me when I was really young. I was like 
this it used to be called string bean so do you know what I think when the agency took you on sorry just to say that in my day job I work as a stylist I mean I'm semi-retired now let's be honest it's a young person's game <laughs> but it's I do occasional bits of work here and there and Morgan the agency are my agents mm-hmm. and I I work with them now as well just with kind of like developing new talent and stuff but um, I think when they took you on I had just had well Theo's 10 10 now so it's so, around the same time yeah and I had taken a break I was working actually for a big Irish retailer in their in their website kind of studio so I was out of the freelance job but I do remember all the oh my god oh my god have you seen this new girl at Morgan just gone oh my god this girl oh my god look she's amazing like you know the way bizarre. and that happens with all the photographers and stylists oh my god since I'm like it's everyone such a, starts, yeah it's such a small know? industry yeah. here and such a gorgeous lovely intimate industry but yeah so sorry what you were yeah so I was how old you were 13, 13 when yeah. I was first stopped yeah. um, I was actually stopped at Topshop I think with a few friends of mine yeah and they were looking was it the model scout in London that so they were like, oh, would you ever do it? And I was like, I'm 13. And they were like, oh, ignore this. Whole, pretend this never happened. But when you're 15, come over and maybe we'll go from there. And then kind of after that, I was stopped all the time. Yeah. And it became weird for a while because I was so young. It's like I remember one time getting off a bus going to my mate's house. And you walk down this little kind of, it's not really an alleyway, but it'd be quiet enough. And I was in my uniform and someone stopped me. He's like, can I take photos of you? And I was like, absolutely not. Like, what, are you, <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm 13. Like, I went real defensive. Yeah. And he's like, oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm a, I'm a photographer. And I was like, still weird. Like, still very, very weird. But I did look older because okay. I was like 5'9". Yeah. And my hair added about three more inches in height because it was so big and curly. Yeah, and healthy a big back then. Bun. Go uh-huh. on, say, you had a big hun bun. That was about yeah, like imagine, I would say, I probably. <laughs> and then... Um, yeah, I was stopped by one of Morgan's photographers <clears throat> when I was 14. And I guess at that point, I was like, "Some the universe is telling me something here because it's been happening regularly enough. And I had huge confidence issues. So every time it happened to me, I was like, are they seeing the same person that I see in the mirror? Like, I don't understand really how this is happening. It didn't yeah. make any sense to me. Yeah. And I, I said it to my mom and she was like, all right, well, we'll go to this agency that he recommended yeah. and she obviously knew them because she had been with them but okay. she didn't want to say it to me because she didn't want me to get it kind of by proxy like she didn't want me to get it because she, they knew her and they were like oh we better sign her daughter yes yeah. Scarlett like she can't just say no now she's standing there so <laughs> at the time I felt very hard done by so my mum stayed in the car and yeah. I had to as you know Morgan's oh my god like this top floor gorgeous building but like there's like that's why we're all so skinny and fabulous because we run up all them stairs so many sets of stairs oh my god and every step was more daunting than the next going I remember just walking up being like this is the worst thing I've ever done just like freaking out yeah and I finally got to the top and obviously Rebecca is the most welcoming brilliant woman so she put me at ease straight away but I was only a kid yeah I'd never been to an interview I'd never done any of this before and um signed me on the spot took Polaroids and that's kind of where it started and then I went down to my mum and I was like why did you make me do that on my own you're the worst mother ever (laughs) freaked out at her and then she told me she was like if you want to do this yeah you're going to do this on your own you know oh my god you know this is like you're if you're old enough to start a career you know this is what it's going to be like and I don't want you take getting something off the back of the fact that I did it once and you know, 
you don't want to start your career feeling like it was handed to you. Yeah. And it's always been like that. Like I've always done it on my own and my family have been a great support and stuff. But she really taught me a lesson that day. And it was a hard lesson. But she's right. Like this industry is a very lonely one. You know, you don't have co-workers. You don't have an office. You don't have carpool. You don't have a single bus journey. You know, you're in different studios. You're in different countries mm. at any given drop of a hat. Mm. Um, and you're on your own. Yeah. So as glamorous, as brilliant and as fun and easy as modelling may seem, it's it's not all, you know, people expect it to be. Yeah. So I always say that, like, I'm very blessed to have had such a great career and such a long career. But in you're industry. a grafter, though, as well. And actually, yeah, I do. Sorry. I work hard. I'll just fix my chair there. <laughs> um, it's interesting that your mom said that to you, you know, because it is it's a very it's a very honest way. You know, you're on your mm. own like and you really are. And it's you um, selling you in a way that sounds terrible but you know like you're putting every casting is like a job interview and yeah. isn't it and then like you're only as good as your last shoot sometimes and 100% so you're, you're always trying to kind of adapt and change this was, I mean that was a big lesson for her to deliver to you at that stage and come here do you look back do you look back at the shoots and particularly when you're on telly because you had obviously you did Dancing with the Stars and then you did um, you've done stuff with expose and things and some presenting things mm. Do you watch that back? Do you look back at the pictures? It's funny. I don't do it purposefully. Like I wouldn't do it on purpose. Yeah. But say I'm going up to the attic to bring something up, and so I'll after stumble the event onto, historically, like yeah, yeah, I'll okay. I'll stumble into an uh, you know my first cover or you know a, a story. I remember my first ever published shoot was Irish Brides. No, when I was way. fifteen. In a wedding dress. Teenage runaway bride. Like I remember being Vera Wang or Vera Wang or whatever. Wow. And I remember just being like, is this as weird as I feel like this is? I don't don't know. But then that's what modelling is, is you're no age. You're just a, I guess you're a mannequin, a moving mannequin. And I've learned that as well. Like I've been a mother. I've been a sister. I've been a wife. Hmm. I've been a bride many times. Yeah. Um. And it's like acting in a way. It's like static acting. You know, you have to become a person that you aren't, which has its own things. Like at 15, I had a full identity crisis. It's like all I know is my school uniform and then whatever a stylist puts me into. Did you? Like when I go to see mates or something on a weekend, I'd be like, what do you wear? Do you wear, is it a dress? How do I, I just, I remember being conflicted in my own style. And that's when I think I started getting like a few little tattoos and stuff to try kind of bring myself back into who I am, you know, so I'm not just this mannequin anymore. Yes. I'll see certain pictures and I'll see my tattoo and it's weird for me. It's like a recognition of even though I might look like, you know, a mother in that because I've got two kids in this big poster somewhere in England. Yeah. It's still me. Yeah. It's a funny thing. It's a funny thing modeling. It's it. It's the same as acting. It takes you out of yourself. So do you leave yourself at the door a bit or do you, you see, this is the thing because you are so professional and because mm. I see you work, you, it's, it's like, it's like you flick a switch. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, just come on with it. And then you go out and it's, you know, Different it's thing, almost like yeah. an air hostess to me. Yes. It's like, you know, the fucking plane has gone down, but I look fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but I'll um, bring you your glass of water, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think maybe, I think it's an unconscious thing. Right. Like I don't feel like I 
physically flick that switch. I just know what I need to do to get the job done. And yeah. that's a learned thing yes. from doing this so long, I guess, really. Yeah. And sometimes it's hard to get into the character, but generally I've been very lucky that it's been very natural for me. Like no one taught me this. You don't get taught how to be a model. You just learn yes. by watching and trying to understand what to do. You know, yeah. again, I have no paperwork certificate qualification for this. I just do it. And I'm very lucky that I've done it long enough and I've been able to. How old are you now? Not in model years now. How old are you in real yeah, years? Yeah, I'm like, are you going to do that Nadine Coyle bit where I'm yeah. like, oh, what year did I get? What year did yeah. I start? I was born. <laughs> oh, and well, I started modeling 10 years ago, so yeah, I was yeah, like yeah. 12. And, uh. So I'm 27 now. Wow. Which is like, I don't want to say geriatric, but geriatric. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I used to hate my baby face. Yeah. This is the whole thing. I was baby face heffering so my face was literally as round as the moon. Yeah. And it was a constant source of insecurity for me but I worked through it and obviously I got jobs so I was yeah. like something's working yeah. and now as I'm getting a little bit older I'm actually lucky because it's kept my youth so I think a lot of people say they're like I can't give you an age because it really depends on the day I see it because if I come from set I'll look older depending on the job usually I'll look older or if I come from home when I've no makeup on like I say I'm in my dungarees and my hair is yeah. in a bun yeah. like I still get ID'd so yeah. it's it's a it's a funny like I remember Rebecca being like you're a chameleon, so every day what, I'm that's different. That's what all and the good models are. Yeah. they're chameleons. You know, yeah, it's human funny. chameleons. Human chameleons. Anyway, I wanted to just read you um, this poem called "Elastic Skin." Oh, and just to say, the opening lines of this poem I took from the back of packaging of beauty products that women use. So I just think it's really interesting the language that we use mm-hmm. when we're talking about beauty and that kind of thing. So this is called Elastic Skin. Anti-age, anti-aging power, no more greys, tan in the shower, age defence, plump and prime, extra firming, turn back time. I haven't seen you for ages. You look bloody fantastic. Oh, thanks. I'm using all of these creams to keep my skin elastic. Since forever and ever, we've been seduced by these potions, which claim to erase all our marks of emotions. Our lines are our story. They show our strength and our prime. So let them grow freely. Don't turn back the time. That's so special. So I am quite passionate, as you know, Mm. about age and age representation in fashion. And I've said on some occasions, where are the women? You know, Mm -hmm. Um, and I absolutely appreciate the beauty and the attraction of youth in our industry. And I've come from both sides as a stylist you're like okay you know like I understand why clients and brands you know wish to I suppose for the most part cast young women at a Mm -hmm. particular age in a particular window of their kind of their their lives Um, do you think you'll still be modelling as you get as you age and as you get older yeah, it's, it, I think it's funny because earlier I was like, oh, it's geriatric. And obviously I said it's a joke, but it is a funny thing. There is, as much as it's a joke, there is something in the back of my mind saying, you know, there's a, you've got a time limit, you know, there's a sell yeah. by date in the top of my head. Okay. And that would have been instilled with me, or instilled in me through the industry and maybe seeing that's people I mean. kind I think of that's fall the out industry. of fashion, yeah. in inverted commas. Yeah. Um, and it is the industry, but like you say, there is... There's more of an outreach now to see women in all of their beauty. 
in all of their sizes, in all of our ages and skin tones and hair colours and hair textures and everything. And I think I remember talking to a friend of mine about how important representation is. And it really matters because women don't lose their sex appeal at 35. Mm hmm. Absolutely. I think women get sexier as they get older because they embrace themselves so much more. And you're constantly like that poem so beautifully said, you're constantly chasing the unachievable. Chasing youth. It's chasing, chasing youth. youth. You can't get, you can't turn back time. Yeah. All you can do is embrace it. Yeah. And it's commercialised and uh, become this huge industry that you have to be a better version of yourself all of the time. Yeah. And for me, there's nothing more amazing than seeing someone who's completely embracing themselves in the moment as they are. And yeah, it's great to look at a glossy magazine of these beautiful girls. But I know when I see a campaign with an older woman or an older gentleman, yeah, I feel more from that than I might a campaign of a young girl with, you know, loads of makeup on who looks that beautiful all of the time without all that makeup on. Yeah. But it's just a different message. I think it's 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 a hard one because it's my industry so I can't really analyse it without feeling like a bit of a hypocrite maybe. Yeah. But I also can appreciate that we all have our own beautiful attributes and I hate the idea of anyone feeling the need to chase youth and a certain beauty standard because someone else is doing it. And I think we're seeing a lot of it at the minute. People um, changing themselves to look like something or someone else. Mm -hmm. To the point now that when you see someone who doesn't look like that kind of current carbon copy, it's so refreshing. And it's the same in the industry. Yeah, I mean, I just like to see women. Yeah. (laughs) And so, you know, particularly in like, you know, I mean, like I'd still kind of consume fashion uh, magazines again I'm a dinosaur or you know even just some of the brands that I might particularly enjoy mm. looking at their campaigns and stuff on social media and things I just like to see women wearing some of the clothes that women can afford that's yeah. the other thing um, but as I said it's quite conflicting and and I'd be the same as you it's my industry I can see it from both sides and I understand why why it happens but I suppose it's just we're so you know, like in 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 the thinking of kind of inclusivity and stuff, I think age, you know, to to have like women, particularly in you know in the fashion kind of industry, represented in campaigns and shows and stuff. Like I always try to do that. I always try to cast older women on shows. Absolutely, and but the reaction they get, I always find, is so much better. Yeah, yeah. Because what's rare is wonderful, and upset. It's sad and it's upsetting that it is rare, but. It brings, it it's, goes back to what we're talking about, about music and about podcasts. Seeing certain things that you don't see all the time, but that makes sense. Yes. Like inclusivity and sizing yes. and aging and everything and colour yeah. and ev- everything. Yeah. It brings you this certain emotion that you that's devoid. You don't get that when you're just looking at the same girls who look the same of the same size and the same hair colour and same skin colour. There's this beautiful additional feeling of of power yeah. when you get to see women who don't look like the run of the mill girls all the time. Yeah. So I think it's an amazing thing and I hate that it's not done more. I hope to continue doing this as long as I can and, and, and actually push the message I'm saying instead of just you know practice what I preach instead of just saying You've it You've got so much to say I'd probably nearly have to have you on again because 
we could talk about animals and we can talk <laughs> about your veganism and I we can talk, talk about your dancing. I mean, I'd, I'd love to have you on again. So we'll get you on again for sure. Thanks, Just Sam. before you go. Yeah. You, so so the poems I write, again, it's very simple and plain language about very simple and plain things. So if I was to write a poem about you today, what kind of themes might I cover? Pick wow. three. Cause I'm I, taking notes, by the way. So there will be oh a gosh. poem for Talia soon. <gasps> I think it's funny because all the poems I read of yours, even the ones that make that aren't in any way related to me, I can still relate to them. Yeah. Um. I think that you're, we're very similar, yeah. in our outlook and certain things. Yeah. Um. I do love me a glass of wine. I do love me a pack of crisps, and I do love me a cuddle for my dogs. Okay. They're so my, glass of wine, crisps, and dogs. And dogs. Yeah. That would be your poem. But then also I've got music. I've got dancing. I've all my things. But for me the things that I celebrate the most in life are the quiet moments. Mm. Like I love obviously traveling the world at work and meeting these amazing people and doing these amazing jobs. But what I love is the quiet time with my boyfriend, my dogs and my glass of wine and nonsense in the in the air. Watching like some ghost hunting documentary or something so void of anything intelligent that I can actually switch off. And oh, I yeah. think that's what I love. That's like where I'm at my most peaceful. Oh, I think that's where everyone wants to be, Talia. Yeah, exactly. It's the best place, I'm telling you. With crisps and wine. Crisps, wine, dogs. Yeah. A lovely fella on your arm and something shit in the telly. <laughs> that sounds perfect. And I'm is. so happy that you get that and that's your I'm little moment blessed. of perfection. Yeah. Talia, thank you so much. Thank you, Jan. It's been lovely. Talia is a poem. I'll be writing one for us oh, soon. Oh, that's such a nice... I'll send it I to you it. quietly. I'll be in bits now, though. And you can share it if you want. If it's any use, if it's no use, don't. Thank you so much for having me. And again, I'm so thrilled to see you doing this and oh, Talia, thanks. reaching such a great audience of people who I really think you're going to spark something inside of. Oh, so. thanks. Just nice conversations about simple things. And I'm delighted to have had one with you. It's my favourite thing to listen to as well. Me? Oh, I love listening to me as well. Love listening to you. <laughs> what do you think? What rhymes with Talia? I actually, I'll never write one for you. Take it all back. Thanks so much. Thanks, Jan. Thank you so much. Have a gorgeous day. Bye. You're the best. Bye. Thanks for listening. See, we're not really strangers, are we? I'd love to hear any of your thoughts. You'll find me on Instagram at jbgoodtome. If you've got any funny poems that you want to share with me, I'd love to hear them as well. Join me in a fortnight for the next episode. And come here, in the meantime, you can support me by becoming a member of Headstuff Plus, where you'll be able to access some bonus content. It's called Behind the Lines, where I let you into all the secrets and the people and the places behind the lines of the poems from my little yellow book. Go on, I know you want it. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.